like being up and going to fucking work on a fucking Tuesday. Woo! What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Hustle and Grind podcast, version 2.0. This is Jason Hartwell, and I am coming at you live from the brand spanking new Parkway Automotive Studios. We have moved. The new location is all set up. And that's where I'm at today. And it is pretty freaking awesome. I'm excited about it. And uh, I think the shows are going to be real good in here. This room is a whole lot more soundproofed than the old room was. So if there was ever any echoes or anything crazy, this should cut it out completely. So with that being said, let's get at it. Ryan, what's going on, man? Not much. Cleaning up. Cleaning up. Hell of a mess going on in my shop. <laughs> you ever get to that point where you just can't even focus on your projects because there's just shit everywhere? Oh, yeah. All the time. But sometimes you just got to kick back and spend the day cleaning up and give it a fresh start. Yep, pretty much. I'm going to get it all cleaned up, fire up the backpack blower, and open the doors and give her a dusting. Is that how you clean your shop? That's how I get the du- the residual dust that builds up on everything. Right. That's how I get rid of that. I open both doors and fire up the backpack blower and just keep it on idle and just stir it all up and blow it out. I've tried to do that a few times with just an air nozzle on the compressor. And, man, it makes such a mess, and it just gets airborne, and I can't go in there for an hour. Oh, see, my backpack blower is, I don't know if you can see it. Oh, it's just hanging there? Yeah, I got a, there's like a special rack that they make for dealerships, and I scored a piece of it and screwed it to the stud. It's for, you can hang trimmers on it, but those backpacks have like a handle on the back, and you can hook it on that. But that bad boy's uh, 80cc. She's a big one. So when you're blowing out, do you just like kind of swing it on that hook, or do you take it off and strap no, it on? I put it, I, I put it on my back. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, that's a. And I just I leave it on idle because I mean that thing, that's what I blow my dog turds with. <laughs> so like, the, you've seen that drainage ditch behind my house. I just strap that thing on, put it on high, and I make little poop tumbleweeds, and they just go into the into the stream and wash away. Wouldn't that be a if anybody from the dungleweed listening? Yeah, don- <laughs> a dingleweed. <laughs> dingleweed. There you go. A little poop dingleweed. Yeah, cartoon sized dingleberries. Mm-hmm. I spoil the shit out of my dogs, so they're princesses, so they won't poop near other poop, and, like, yeah, they're weird. So that just leaves you a bigger mess to clean up? Yeah, I just have to do it more often. I got to keep on top of it. But Yeah. How'd it go, uh, the ditch. How'd it go stepping in that big dog turd the other day? Were you barefoot? No, I had my shoes on. That's what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> I mow the lawn and then I weed whack and then I blow the dog turds because in that order. Yep. In that order. I'm a man of routine. Yeah. I've sure. got to do some yard work today. I'm a man of, I freaking hate weed eating. So I only do it every other time I cut and today's the day and I'm not looking forward to it. Dude, I'm right there with you on that. I mean, I, I wear glasses and 
the amount of shit that gets up onto your face while you're weed whacking is just, ugh. Yeah. I hate it. And I've Chunks got to, of bugs. I, dude, there's got to be a better way. It hurts my back. And I've got like a long straight shaft good weed eater. But just, I don't know if it's the way you got to hold it or what, but it hurts my freaking back weed eating. What what brand do you got? Craftsman. Oh. It's the one that's, uh, I see that face, Mr. Uh, working at a steel dealership. <laughs> no, uh, Husqvarna and Echo. But I don't work there anymore. We're an independent shop now. Yeah. Well, mine is a Craftsman, but it's the one that's got the interchangeable heads. So I've got the weed eater attachment, the edger, the blower, and this little thing with tines on it that they call a tiller. It's not like it won't break apart a birthday cake, but <laughs> they call it, I think they call it actually a cultivator or something like that. Yeah. It's for like small raised beds and shit. Yeah. It don't work. Like maybe if you opened a bag of fresh potting soil, it could possibly break that apart, but it's not very good at all. Split booms are the way to go. If you've got more than one thing to do, getting a split boom with the attachments you need is definitely the way to go. I don't know what a split boom is. What you have. Oh, okay, okay. So where where the shaft is two pieces and you can put different attachments on, that's called the split boom. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, that's exactly what I have. Now, the blower, I love it. That thing works great. I mean, to be as small as it is, it's really surprising as to how good it works. Mm-hmm. But... Like I said, the cultivator thing, it ain't worth the shit. The weed eater's great. But uh, I actually, last summer, I've had it three years now. Last summer, I just figured out how to properly load it. So when the string ran out before, I would sit in a chair with that thing in my lap and the giant flathead screwdriver and take it apart because it's got two strings that wind opposite directions. And trying to line all this shit up and like hold it without a bird nest while I'm trying to push back in. Well, there's a little arrow on the bottom, and if you point the arrow to load, you just stick a string in each side. You cut off like six feet, stick one on each side, and just twist it, and it winds it right up for you. It takes like 30 seconds. Nice. Yeah. And it used to take me like 30 minutes and a lot That's what of the cuss echo words. Heads do. The echo heads, when they run out of string, if the little piece doesn't get stuck in there, so you have to take the spool out and just pull the little piece out. If you line the arrows up with the hole, you can see right through it. Mm -hmm. You just center a 12-foot piece of string on there and ratchet it up. Well, that's neat. So that's just one single piece that gets wound from the middle to make it two. Yeah. Cool. Mine takes yeah. two separates. And then most of the time when it gets too low, like say below three feet or two feet, something like that, I can't remember what the number is, it'll usually spit out that piece of string. Yeah. So my oldest kid a few weeks ago wanted to try weed eating. So I'm like, yeah, I mean, you're, you're taller than your mom. You know what I mean? You're 150 pounds. You're, you can do it. So, uh, I gave him a little crash course, you know, how to bump the head and get more line out and all this stuff. And I had just filled it up and he came to me five minutes late. Well, five minutes after I stopped watching him. Cause you know, I was watching him real close at first and he was doing good. Just, just enough. And I walked away, and as soon as he couldn't see me no more, he had that trigger pulled, like, to the max. And I'm like, okay, well, cool. He's getting comfortable with it. I don't even run it wide open because there's usually not a reason to. But I thought it was kind of neat. He's getting comfortable. Five minutes later, he came and got me. He's out of string. So I'm like, damn, that's weird. Maybe I didn't fill it up. So I filled it up again. 
maybe 10 minutes later, he's out of string again. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? I went out there and looked, and he was getting it caught in the chain link fence. And it's just like tangled all up in the fence everywhere. I'm like, well, you need to back up just a little bit. <laughs> it's that learning curve. Yeah. Yeah, but he's, he's coming along good with it, though. He's getting comfortable. Makes me feel good when he wants to do things like that. Yeah, my kids, uh, they don't volunteer to do that shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, my, uh, you know, my kids, I only get them every other weekend. So they don't live with me full time. They live a completely different lifestyle at their mom's house. And so over there, when they cut grass, they've got a push mower, which I've got a push mower, but I don't use it. I got my, my rider. But uh, their push mower is uh, battery powered. Like they have to charge up the batteries for that bullshit. Yeah. So he wanted to push mow last summer. And I'm like, cool, man, you know, get down there in the bottom. Cause there's one part that I just can't get to with the big tractor. I was like, cool. You can go get down there. Well, somehow or another, it cut off on him. Now my push mower is obviously gas powered. It cut off on him. He probably just let go of the thing, but I looked out there and there's like this giant cloud of smoke. I'm like, what are you doing? Like what's going on? I ran down there. He had the lawnmower flipped over because it cut off. He thought something was tangled up in the blade because that's what happens at the other house. If something gets tangled up, it just cuts itself off. Mm-hmm. So when he tipped it over, he dumped oil all over the exhaust. And it just made a giant, nasty, stinky smoke cloud. Nice. But we laughed and we learned. <laughs> but in knife news, how you been doing? Pretty good. Yeah? Trying to get my gumption to get these last couple knives ground out and then I can focus on yard stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yard stuff. It's that time of year for you. It is. I, we, can, we can plant outside pretty much this week. Like this week is your window total? No, this is when we can start. Okay. And then we got like, you know, if you go longer than like three weeks past the start, then your yield's not going to be very good for much. Now, when you're planting outside, obviously you got your uh, your good crops that you keep next to your grill on your back porch. But do y'all do any kind of garden or anything like that? We are this year. This is the first year. My wife has a horrible non-existent green thumb. <laughs> so, like, I'm going to start the garden, and then she's going to be the one to maintain it so that <clears throat> she can learn and... You know, we're starting small, and then once she gets the hang of it, we'll expand more and more and more. The raised bed we're doing this year is five feet by six feet. What are y'all planting? Zucchini, cucumber, broccoli, beans, like uh, peppers. I like bell peppers. Oh, yeah. Shit like that. Yeah, we've got almost, I think, 40 bell peppers planted. And I think the ducks have ate the top out of close to half of them. <laughs> so they're just little nubs sticking up out of the ground now. But we did get another fence put up around it to keep them out. Yeah. So that's good. I got uh, the the knife I've been working on with all the file work, the curvy fighter, badass, cool one. Mm-hmm. Finally got the file work done. Dude, I probably got 30 hours into that knife already. Damn. And it's not even heat treated. I am so freaking nervous to quench this thing because 
you, you know, if something bad, if something turns right now, all that's for nothing. Yeah. Or she gets a warp and then you get a stress about getting the warp out without snapping it. Yeah. Like, <sighs> well, I'm going to set up my plates my and clamp it. Post heat treat. I'm going to do a lot more post heat treat than I normally do. I do have the bevels set with the plunge lines, but I don't have like a hard top line on the bevel, but it's an eighth inch thick. So I did do a little bit of pre-grinding just to make sure that I get the edge portion super hard. And, uh, but I left plenty of meat to where hopefully we don't have any little wiggles going on, but a warp. I'm, I don't like a warp, but if it's just curved one way, I'm not really concerned about that because I'm pretty comfortable getting those out with like a shim temper. Mm -hmm. But if it's wavy, you know, got a couple of them, that sucks. Yeah, that's a problem. The main thing I'm worried about is a crack. So, like, I've rounded all the edges, even the spine. I've already got it rounded over. There's nothing crispy anywhere. What are you quenching in? Uh, uh, canola. I have my Parks 50, and I dumped that shit. Because you remember, I went, I don't know if I got a bad batch or what, but I went for a while, and I was cracking more knives than were surviving. Huh. So preheated canola to 100 degrees. And I'm going to set my plates up and have them ready for after I quench. You know, I can clamp, clamp it into plates. Hopefully everything goes good. I do a lot of stainless because that shit stresses me out. Um, I do. I've been playing with some ADC RV2. Um, I quench in a Parks 50 AAA mixture. Really? Because I, did, I didn't buy enough. I bought a gallon of each, and it wasn't enough to fill my tube, so I was like, oh, I'll just mix them. It couldn't hurt, it hurt? <laughs> right? doesn't seem to hurt. I mean, yeah, I, mean, I, don't like, I don't like open flame. Like, it's just, like, it fucking freaks me out. I'm going to have to get over it, but. Yeah, I mean, hot's hot. You know what I mean? If it yeah. goes in there, it doesn't matter where it got hot at. It's not like you're taking your forge to the bucket. No, it's my out of the oven. Yeah. So I'm going to give a shout out to Ed Saul Crafts. He doesn't even listen to this podcast yet. He actually he found it somehow, started at episode one, and he's slowly catching up. And the other day he sent me a message about something, and I'm like, holy shit, dude, that was six months ago. But he's a fan of the show, and we appreciate him. He is uh, coming to Blade Show, and he's going to bring me fire brick and uh, cement that he had left over from his kiln build. And so by the looks of what he sent me, it should be enough to where I can build me a kiln. Nice. So once I get that framework built and get it all set up, I'll be getting with you for the coils. You're going to put 220 in the shop? Eventually, but for right now, I need to be able to run it off 110. I've never done a 110 oven. We can figure it out, though. Well, worst case scenario, I'm not scared to put that damn heat treat oven on top of my dryer. You know what I mean? And use that outlet. Yeah, what's it going to hurt? My laundry room, like my house, is just, you know, the house by itself. And we've got a covered carport. And on the back side of the carport, that's where our laundry room is. So our laundry room is actually detached from the house. It's its own separate room behind the carport. It's probably 
16 by 12, something like that. It's a pretty good-sized room. But, uh, I mean, there's nothing in it except washer and dryer and a couple of little racks where, you know, winter clothes hang in the summertime. Put it on a rolling cart. I keep mine on a rolling cart so I can move it around the shop. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, I got, obviously got 220 in there, and it's a concrete floor. Yeah. I mean, mine gets hot as fuck on the outside, but I have no secondary insulation. I just went straight metal sheets on top of the brick. But if you put, like, a layer of wool in there or something, it would definitely not get as hot on the outside. So you're saying, like, brick and then wool? Yeah. And then the metal? Yeah. Okay. If you if you don't want it as hot to the touch after a batch or two. I could cook an egg on the top of mine after two batches. I got to call a timeout. Be right back. All right, guys, we're back. I did not have to poop. We've got a uh, a ceiling grid in here, and one of the lights was vibrating like crazy, so had to tap it a little bit and make that go away. Give it a little tap, tap. A little love tap. What were we talking about? Uh, we oh, both cooking an egg on my oven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eggs. I like eggs. Yeah. But you got to think, like, that's probably an hour of running at 1,950 degrees. And all I did was have a layer of brick. And that's on the top, where the brick's the thinnest. So on the sides, it's fine. So when you're building it, are the bricks, like, on the side? Say, just, let's just call them two inches by four inches, like a two by four. Mm-hmm. Are they sitting flat? Mm-hmm. With like the two inch tall? Yeah. Okay, gotcha. That's how I did it. And then the tops are laying flat too, so the top's thinner from where the heat is. Gotcha. Does that make sense? Yep. So on the sides, you're getting the four inch width of insulation, whereas on the top of mine, you're only getting two. Could you double layer them up there? I could if I wanted to. Just didn't feel like it or didn't have enough bricks? I didn't bricks. feel like it. No, <laughs> I didn't feel like it at all. I didn't want to buy the wool either. And nobody, I mean, there's plenty of space in my shop. You know what I mean? I have like a six foot cord on the oven. So, yeah. And I wrote, I get hot on the top with a white paint pen. So we're good. Well, there, as long as everybody knows. Yep. I've got more wool than I could use in a lifetime. I, like it's an enormous box of it. My buddy Brad from Freedom Creek Forge come by my shop one day and he had a box of wool. He's like, you want some of this? I said, yeah. And he gave me the whole box. Damn. So it's, uh, the roll is 50 foot long by two inches wide. You know, obviously an inch thick. That damn box has got to weigh 80 pounds. That stuff is heavy. I would never have expected it to be that heavy. Damn. But I guess for it to be that dense to stand up to that heat, it's got to have some ass to it. That's a good score. Yeah, for sure. So when I built my new forge for my uh, new burners from Richard Beck, that's what I used was that wool. So Did you get the rigidizer yet? Nope. The spray on shit? No, I didn't get any of it yet. So hopefully soon I'll get it in. But uh might just pick it up at Blade Show if I'm able to find some for a decent price. 
Oh, I'm sure somebody will be selling some. Yeah. It comes in a concentrate. You 50-50 mix it with water. And that's just the spray stuff you're talking about, right? Yeah. Yeah, I need the other stuff too. Or do you? The cement. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess the I got a bucket of that coming. Yeah. So then you're all set. That's all you need. Yeah. The rigidizer makes the wool hard. So you soak the blanket in water, soak it in rigidizer, put it in place, and then it hardens. And then you put the cement on. And then you put the cement on. Gotcha. It's weird that there's so much of a science and so many chemicals and all these coatings that, you know, us knife makers are so focused on getting. But back in the damn caveman days, they wouldn't worry about all this shit. They weren't talking about heat treat ovens. You know what I mean? And some of their blades are still getting found under caves. Yeah, but we could cut their blades in half with our blades. This is very true. Yes, yes. So, uh, speaking of blades, Blade Show is coming up. And if you didn't know about it, I'm doing a raffle. Did you know that? I knew that. Yeah, I'm doing a raffle. Yeah, you did get a spot. Thank you for that. And uh, I need some more spots. So, as it stands right now, you know, the, the whole purpose of this raffle was to get me to Blade. Well, we got enough money to pay for the hotel room, which we've already done. So it's guaranteed we're going to be at Blade. Now, we haven't bought tickets yet, so I don't know if they're going to let us in the door quite yet, but we'll be at the at the event. So uh, we need to sell some more raffle tickets so that I can get tickets to get in the show, which obviously I'm going to buy tickets to get in. But as it stands right now, after Blade show, and you know, just getting up there and getting into a hotel room, the knife that the winner gets for the raffle is going to come out of my pocket. Like I'm behind on it, but I, you know, I've already put it out there. Winner gets to pick whatever knife they want. It's too late now. Can't renege. So guys push it. Tell your friends, tell your mom and them buy a raffle ticket. It's only $10 and you can buy as many as you want. Hey, you can buy 10 of them. One person did buy 10. As soon as I posted, he bought 10 all at once. And uh, tell me what you think about this. Now, I put it on my Instagram that I was going to draw. I believe I put it on there for Wednesday. Um, and it was going to be open till like midnight the day before, something like that. Now, everybody who's already bought tickets, you know, obviously they're waiting. Would it be a douche move to extend it a week to try to get some more sales up? I don't think anybody would care. And if they did care, that's kind of a dick move to care. Yeah, I agree. Um, I don't know. I kind of feel bad about doing that. But at the same time, you know, I haven't met the goal that I set out to meet. And I don't really want to build someone a knife at my own cost. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, I could not go to Blade Show and I could cover the cost of a blade. But that's kind of the purpose of this whole thing is getting me up there. I I don't see an issue with it. I don't think it's a dick move. We we've all seen makers do that with their raffles. If the raffles are starting slow, and they're not going to make the goal by the deadline, they extend them. Yeah. Well, how about this? Let's do it like this, guys. If you if you're listening, buy a raffle ticket, please. Help support me and getting me up there to the show. This is completely like I don't even know the word for it. You can call it selfish. Like I'm doing this so I can go have fun. 
Sorry, that's what it is. <laughs> that's the reason I'm doing this travel because I want to go party with my friends in Atlanta. But buy a ticket, help me get up there. I'm going to extend it. I'm going to extend it one week. Now, if you've already bought a ticket and you think that's not cool, just send me a message and I will happily give you your your entry fee back if that's what you want to do. But I think, you know, to make it fair for the whole situation, kind of pushing it back a little bit and giving it some more time, I think that's okay, right? Yeah, I'd genuinely be surprised if anybody messages you asking for a refund. Yeah, that'd be a dick move because uh, I will call you out to the world. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'd go that far. No, I definitely would not do that. But seriously, like if you think it's not cool, I will politely and silently give you your cash back. No big deal. But just know if you take your $10 back from me, you're taking food out of my family's mouths. I'm just kidding. Wow. You're, you're taking a beer out of my hand. So that's all right. <laughs> wow. That got deep. <laughs> that's all right. Hell, I'm not even worried about beer this year. I don't hardly drink like I used to. Last year, like the, that's good. the whole purpose was like, yeah, let's go to the pit and get fucked up. But now it's like, man, I just want to go see my friends, you know? Yeah, I don't ever think that. I don't drink, so it's, yeah. I'm never like, I'm never like, woo! <laughs> I think I am going to take some moonshine up there, though. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I, I think I am. Just kind of pass it around the pit a little bit. See who ends up sleeping in the on the couch first. Yeah, weed doesn't do that. Nobody's ever like, "Woo, bloods, let's get fucking lit." <laughs> you know what I mean? Nobody yeah. ever. Uh, I don't. I don't ever hear people doing that. No, no alcohol though. No. People get right excited about getting drunk. Oh yeah, yeah, it's an event for sure. And there's always that one guy when you wake up the next morning for breakfast up there at Blade Show. It's crazy because when you when you leave the pit is like. You know, there's music playing. The lights are low. It's loud as shit. There's people everywhere. And then the next morning you come out, everything's clean. The lights are on. It's all quiet. Like, you don't even want to talk. You're tiptoeing through there whispering. But there's always that one dude that couldn't quite make it back to his room. And he's sleeping on one of those little reception area couches in the lobby. <laughs> Jesus. Every year there's one somewhere. Don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. That's for sure. Don't be that guy. When I was a manager for Ruby Tuesdays, they sent us to Tennessee for training to Maryville, Tennessee, the headquarters. And our director told us there's always somebody who gets fired at one of these retreats because when you're not in classes learning how to treat people like numbers, you're at this like resort type deal where they it's five star meals, all the booze you can drink, like for me, it wasn't an issue, but uh, my general manager told me a story of a guy getting wasted and diving into the koi pond. Oh, wow. Yeah, he lost his job. Uh, Understandably so. Yeah, another guy got wasted and passed out outside of his room, and you're not allowed to bring alcohol back to your room, and he had booze on him. Oh, wow. So he passed, he passed out in his underwear outside nice. of his room nice. with booze. He lost his job. Some yeah, people just can't handle it, huh? It was a good time. <laughs> Best soup I ever had in my life. Pumpkin gingerbread crouton soup. It was amazing. God, that sounds gross. 
doesn't it? Dude, it, sounds, <laughs> it sounds so bad. And like, I was skeptical. I'm sitting at the table with all these like big wigs of this company. You know, Ruby Tuesdays is a pretty big outfit, or at least they were. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, pumpkin soup. And I fucking try it. I'm like, this is like ambrosia, dude. This is the best tasting soup <laughs> I've ever had in my life. These guys are like, yep, I'll drive a Rolls Royce. And, you know, I'm like, that's cool. I'm on food stamps. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, there's actually a Ruby Tuesdays, like, right across the – it's almost next door to where I'm sitting right now. Yesterday, as soon as I pulled out of here, I looked at the, the timer on my phone. It took me two and a half minutes to get from the studio to my house. And there's a Ruby Tuesdays between here and there. Yeah. But we don't go there. We do, we went there one time, right when they opened back up after the whole Rona scare and all that crap. Mm-hmm. And when we go out, we like to sit at the bar. We just we enjoy sitting up there talking to whoever may sit down next to us, you know. But we went in there and we didn't have masks on and refused to put them on, which they didn't ask us. But we're like, we're going to sit at the bar. They said, no, it's full. You know, ain't no sitting at the bar. It's full. It's at maximum capacity. So we're like, well, damn. And we kind of peeked around the corner to see if maybe someone was getting ready to leave. There was one single person at the bar on one end. So we're like, well, that's some bullshit. You just lied to us. I ain't sure why, but we're not coming back here. I was a manager at Ruby Tuesdays, and I saw some janky shit. Did you like it? Was it a good job? No, it was the worst job I've ever had in my life. <laughs> Literally, it was so bad. <laughs> it was so bad. I mean, I was salary, so they made me work ungodly hours. The way they wanted to do things was not like logic driven by somebody who actually works in a kitchen. It was like some bean counter at a table with a bunch of other bean counters. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they gave us the, they gave our directors the option. Okay, you can make these alcoholic, drug-addicted line cooks either wear a baseball hat like they want to, or you can make them wear these stupid little chef hat things that look ridiculous, and they're going to fight you on it. Mm, We'll make them wear the chef hats. That's a good idea. So, like, just stupid shit like that. It was, you know, because these guys, they're they're not the Todd Harringtons of the world. They're not exceptional career chefs. You know what I mean? These are guys that couldn't get jobs anywhere else. Most of them only work to feed their habits, you know? So, um, and some of them were awesome dudes who I'm still friends with today, but the majority of the people who came in and out of the kitchen had issues, you know? Right. So, and I'm like, we have the option to let them wear baseball hats. No, we're trying to put forth an atmosphere that they're all chefs. They're not chefs. None of them have been to culinary school. They're line cooks. There's a difference. There is a difference. Yeah. Uh, it's still a wicked hard job. It was like being a line cook was the most stressful job I've ever had. Well, there you know, could only be one Todd Harrington of the world. So, uh, you know, there's that. We love you, Todd. Yeah. Todd's a good dude, man. He sent me a message the other day. He was like, it's okay. It's okay. About the last episode. <laughs> yeah. I talk to Todd on a regular basis. Yeah. And Todd's on a different level than like your chain restaurant corporate level 
is it's not the same thing as what Todd does. You know, when you're in an actual like Michelin star type restaurant, you know what I mean? Where they're the quality of the food is the number one thing. Right. You know, over everything. Whereas in a chain restaurant, they just want to serve you food that's good enough to pass as quality food, but it's actually not. And they want to pay their employees as little as possible to do so. Yeah. And they want to give you as little of that food as possible. You know, Ruby Tuesdays doesn't even make mashed potatoes. It comes in a bag. Well, anytime we have ever went to Applebee's, we always say that all of their food tastes like something out of a Hungry Man meal. Like just frozen, you know, frozen corn, frozen macaroni and cheese, frozen potatoes. You know, even their chicken breast tastes like a, you know, day-old chicken nugget. It's because it was frozen 24 hours earlier. Right. That's what I'm saying. It's just, it's not quality food at those kind of places. We have a joke that Chef Mike is the most loyal and dedicated employee in one of those kitchens. Chef Mike is the microwave. Oh, okay. So when you hear somebody refer to Chef Mike, that's what they're talking about. Chef Mike, he's the microwave. On In the Applebee's I worked at, because after I left Ruby Tuesdays, I started cooking at a local Applebee's for a little while. They had, hold on, let me count, one, two. They had eight commercial-grade microwaves on the line. Holy cow. Yeah. Ruby's, the Ruby's I worked at had four, two on each station. And the, so Ruby's has two stations with two guys on each, sometimes more if it's super busy. Applebee's had three stations, sometimes with three or four guys on each. But the Applebee's I worked at was like the sixth busiest in the country. That place is balls to the walls, open to close every day. In Maine? In Maine, in Bangor, Maine. The Bangor, Maine Applebee's. Gotcha. Okay. It's a, it's the perfect location. So their store is situated right next to a shutdown Kmart. So there's like unli- <laughs> there's unlimited parking. You know what I mean? There's yeah. like, so their normal Applebee's parking lot, and then there's an abandoned thousand car parking lot that's adjoined to it. Right. And the Bangor Mall is a big touristy spot for Canadians that come down on the tour buses. Sounds fancy. That Applebee's was great. The management there was great. It's all new management now. Um, I didn't have any issues with how that place was run. Ruby's, I could tell you some things, but I worry that somebody from Ruby's would hear and sue us. So, Yeah, we don't need that. Yeah, no. You know, I used to kind of joke about the fact like nobody listens to this thing, but dude, we're we're growing as a show. Yeah, I made the mistake of offering free stickers to anybody who made it to the end of the show, and now I have no stickers. Yeah, I got to get some more ordered myself. I'm out. <laughs> How many people messaged you? Uh, it, was, it was less than 10. Um, six, yeah, five or six, right, seven, something like that. Yeah, I think I was right around seven. Yeah. And I... I overestimated how many stickers I had, and I honestly didn't think anybody was going to hear that or message us. I didn't think anybody would make it to the end of that shit show. No. I didn't even make it through there, dude. I've listened to every episode from day one. I'm like 10 minutes into that one. I'm like, fuck it. I'll catch up next week. We know how it went. Yeah, like I was there. (laughs) We were there. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that was bad. So, guys, if you missed last week's episode, no, you didn't. 
it's okay. Just keep on moving forward. You don't even have to go back. It did sound way worse in our headphones than it did when it released. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like any, t- like on the show, Mark just sounded a little choppy. Anytime he spoke when we recorded it, it was like the loudest, most piercing sound in our headphones that like, I'm, I think my ears were ringing at the end of it. Yeah. It was rough. Yeah. So there's definitely like a difference in the volumes between what's actually recorded and what we hear. Yeah on the playback but he did send me a message on again yeah he he's already bought himself a nice microphone and uh, said he had to get some headphones he sent me a picture of the microphone all set up so you know he's excited about trying it again we'll do a long episode of mark yeah make up for that we're gonna have to make sure he's got some good weepy too though because you know that's a the wi-fi yeah the the whiff fizzle yeah (laughs) we call it the weepy at home but, uh, yeah, we got to just make sure he's got a good connection. And, you know, that's the same with anybody that gets on here. If you don't have a good connection, it doesn't really matter, microphone or not. It's not going to come through. So, uh, well, let me, ask sure. you, let me ask you this question, and we can kind of push it out as a listener question as well. Right before we come up here today, me and you did a chat from the couch. That was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So we only did five minutes, and the reason for that is I didn't know how it was going to transfer over. You know what I mean? Like if the file size would be too large or something like that, I had no problems with that at all. The problem I did have was when I recorded the audio through Zencaster, it recorded it just fine, but it recorded my track and your track. So when I downloaded both of them as MP3s, I hit play on both of them. It's all just me and all just you. Well, the only way I could figure out to put it together was I had to pay Zencaster for po- post-production. Now, that was super easy. All I did was click both of them, hit produce, and they overlapped it. They put it together. sounded great. Now, it was $3 for one hour worth of post-production. That don't seem like a big deal, but... For an hour's worth, I'm thinking, okay, well, if it's going to take me one minute to click all these buttons, you know, that's a minute worth. Well, the show was five out, five minutes and uh, 30-something seconds, and it said, you have one hour. This is going to take five minutes off. So, ever how long the show is, that's how long it's going to take off. I don't want to pay $3 an hour just to be able to do that on sideshow type deal. You know, because that's part of the fun of it is just – picking up the computer whenever we feel like it and throwing a little something out there together and pushing it out. Mm-hmm. But my question is without paying, I've got no problem downloading the two separate audio tracks. Is there some type of free program that I could just add to my PC that would do that for me or something that's use, very user friendly? I use shortcut. Okay. So is that like a website or what? It's an app that you could download into the computer. But I mean, that's just what I use. And I am very horrible at editing videos. That's why my YouTube page sucks. And so I would say, ask maybe Lando or Justin Lemerou. That's true. Cause they use the same program, but they're probably paying for the post-production. I just don't want to do that. Maybe they're not though. Maybe not. And also uh, the WFI boys, because don't they record theirs on three separate tracks and then sync them? Yes. Yeah, that's true. Uh, 
you know, Brian House or Ben Butler would probably be really helpful in that situation. I just I need something user friendly, you know what I mean, that I can just put even if I've got to overlay them. Once you get the first, you know, a few sentences right to where me and you are going back and forth properly, and the rest of it should just be normal. You know what I mean? When you just line up the start points of each one and then you're good to go. Probably. But I just I gotta come up with some kind of way to, to get a program that'll do that. You know what I mean? But that, that Zencaster post-production thing, that was pretty cool. I mean, it literally, I clicked go. And it, it did it, and it said, okay, you're ready. And I pulled that file up in the transistor, and it loaded it there, and off to the Spotify she went. Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher, SoundCloud, uh, like 40 other one, Pocket Cast. There's, man, we're on so many different platforms, it's crazy. When's that one going to come out? It's already out. Oh. I went ahead and published it just to see if it would go. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's out there, guys. You can go back and listen to that. It's five minutes of me and Ryan bullshitting, talking about what we're going to do with those type of episodes, which is going to be just, you know, maybe once a week or so, we'll bullshit on the couch and talk about nothing and throw it out. Who knows? Maybe we'll get it to the point where you're out of the studio. <clears throat> that that could be potentially but like I said the the studios where the boards at and the sound effects and uh, the intro music and you know what I mean so how much is one of them boards 700 bucks god damn yeah <laughs> plus I mean along with having use of the $700 board comes the subscription to Transistor which is the publishing service I mean, because that's not free. No matter what service you use, you got to pay somebody to put it out mm-hmm. onto Apple and all the other platforms. But, hmm. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Look at you and your cutoff tank top. Uh, no, this is a store-bought tank top. I didn't even have to cut this one. It came like that. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess you can see the seam. I mean, I know it's hard to pick the same through all the muscles, but. Dude, stop trying to pop that trap out. <laughs> Can you you guys should see Jason right now. <laughs> yeah, I like that tank tops. That must be your janking arm. It is. <laughs> it's my hammering arm. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Hey, man, this new studio is pretty neat. We've got all the little uh, sound Sound, I think they're called damp damper panels or something like that. All the little ridges all over the walls and stuff. And we got the stuff up in the ceiling. There's like soundproofing everywhere in here. Fancy. Yeah. So it's pretty neat. I'm in my garage. Yeah. That fancy. I like I like what you've done with the lighting in there. Thanks, man. It's very UFO ish. <laughs> hey, it's a lot better than that damn window that's normally behind you. Yeah, that's true. At least the UFO is a constant instead of just every now and then that window just boom hitting you right in the face. Oh yeah, that was bright. Yeah, I move my head and you guys get blinded. So, being in your shop, do you have Wi-Fi out there, or do you have like a like a booster thing or whatever? The Wi-Fi. So 
the wall that I'm facing that my computer's on is the same. It's facing the wall in the house where the router is where I usually sit. Oh, uh, okay. So you're not physically that far away. No, I'm probably 20 feet from the router. Okay. Maybe 25. Yeah, I was thinking about doing it in my shop earlier when we talked, but that is so freaking far away from the house. I don't know that it would pick up the Wi-Fi at all. Yeah. If I move to the other side of the shop, it starts breaking up. Yeah. So. Well, duck update. They still haven't gotten the pond. And they're eating your garden. Yeah, they're eating my garden. They won't get in the pond. Their favorite place in the whole world to be is right around the edge of the pond. They love to get down there and drink the water, but they will not get their little feathered asses in there. Hmm. Fish, fish are growing real good. Nice. Like they're growing way faster than I thought they would grow. So that's pretty neat. I mixed up the soil today for my little porch garden. Porch so. garden. <laughs> so those will be getting transplanted outside permanently probably i was going to do it today but it's supposed to thunderstorm tonight so i'll probably do it tomorrow and that's your uh your medicinal garden up there right no that's my recreational garden oh gotcha oh yeah 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 there's nothing wrong with me <laughs> <laughs> well nothing that that would fix anyway no those are my babies for the year. I got three of them. No, those the ones you sent me the pictures tall. of that were like full-blown trees, is all that growth in one season? Yeah, that was last year, probably two months before harvest. So they get a little Lord. bigger than that. And how long does it take for them to get that big? Um, Let's see. What are we in, May? Mm-hmm. End of May, so beginning of June to October-ish, sometimes November if the weather's right. Good God. You cut them off after the first frost. If you can push them that long. Last year I couldn't push them that long. They started to rot. But That's like damn kudzu. Kudzu's crazy shit. Yeah, we got it everywhere down here. Yeah, no, that's where I knew of it from. (laughs) Yeah, that shit will take over quick. Yeah, it's beautiful, but it's like, man, I could see how that's a problem. Yeah, it grows like a foot a day or yeah, something super crazy like know, that. Kudzu is an invasive vine that somebody brought into Georgia from somewhere, and it just covers everything. Yeah, it could literally swallow a house within a matter of weeks. Like completely engulfed, can't see the house anymore in just a couple of weeks' time. So, yeah, it's That's bad crazy. stuff. It is nuts, dude. That's nature. It's nuts. Kudzu and bamboo are crazy around here. Like They both yeah, just we have like go like wildfire. Milkweed, which kind of looks like bamboo, but it's not. And maybe it's like a cousin of bamboo, but we call it milkweed. I think can, I know what you're talking about. It, it looks similar, but it's not bamboo. as hard. Yeah. Yeah, you can cut it down with a weed whacker. And yeah. it throws, like, white milk all over everything. Yeah, we got that here, too. It's nasty. And this yeah. white shit's all sticky. Yeah, and it's got, like, the fruit that comes off. It's, like, little spiky. Looks like kiwi, but they're not kiwi. They're not edible. Yep. Yeah. Yep, know exactly what you're talking about. Same shit. <laughs> all right. Well, guys, we've come to that point in the show. It's time for our 
listener appreciation segment. Should we call it that? Sounds good. Sure. Because we appreciate these guys. These are our Patreons. And uh, because of each and every one of these people, it doesn't hurt quite so bad whenever I pay the bill for the studio time. So going all the way back to the beginning, Donnie Dulovich, KnifeMaterial.at, Aru Blade Works. I don't think Aru listens anymore. I've been calling him out, and he hasn't messaged me. Aru, call me about my ducks, dude. Brigham Kendall um, needs a mechanic. If you're up there in Utah, help our homie out. He broke some bolts. Mark LeBlanc, Papa Hachi Ox. Mark Vanderwerf, Bex Armory, Todd Harrington, the man, the myth, the legend. Dennis Tyrell, Trox Claire Custom Cutlery. Zachary Sowell, the king of the woody wax. MaritimeKnifeSupply.com, Lawrence Lake. He's going to be up there at Blade Show, I heard. But nobody knows what he looks like. So how do we know if he's really there? Hmm. Dustin Driver at Driver Defense Knives. Noah Bloomberg at Intiot River Forge. Crafty Man Forge. That is Chad. We know Chad now. Brian Henningkamp at Tortuga Blade Works. Jared at Echo Blades. And Eric Andrews at Sourwood Creations. So all these people are giving at least a dollar a month to go towards our cause. And if you want to join that crew, go to patreon.com, look up Hustle and Grind Podcast, and you can help us out for a dollar a month. Thank you. There you have it. Thanks, guys. We appreciate you all. And even if you don't give us any money, we still love you. You're still our homies. We do. I get so joyful whenever I get a message from somebody who's like, hey, I listen to the podcast. I'm like, you listen to the podcast? Somebody listens to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> like, awesome. Dude, you know, like, I love those messages when I get them. Like, I truly, I, re- I reply to every single last one of them. And I strike up a conversation if I can, you know, because I really, truly appreciate it. But what I like even more is when someone that I haven't heard of ever, like, shares a post or a story about the show. And then someone else that I don't know makes a comment on it. Like, yeah, I heard that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's cool. That's really cool. For sure. Makes me feel like we're not just talking to ourselves. Oh, we're not. We're not at all. There's 850,000 podcasts in the hobbies category in the United States. And for about the last eight weeks, we've consistently been in the top 200. Nice. Out of 850 freaking thousand, dude. Top 200. Wow. People must love us. Right. Now, in Canada, we're like top 20 a lot of times. We've never hit single digits up there. But we're, you know, top 20. We've gotten to teens a few times. Um, Norway and Sweden and Denmark and Colombia. A lot of places like that. We're number one. A bunch. But there's probably like one English-speaking person there and they found this. Weird. They can't <laughs> even see how handsome we are. Right. Well, they, they can uh, find us on Instagram. Yeah, that's true. All I got to do is look up JK Blades and Ryan Chadbourne Knife Works. You got it right. Oh, yeah. You're my homie. Thank, thanks, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so, what's been going on in Jason's shop? Well, like I said, getting... uh. Getting ready to heat treat that fighter. Um, I'm I'm about 90% comfortable that I'm going to come out with good results. 
you know, there's always that little bit of worry in the back of your brain. Mm-hmm. But as far as preventative things that you can do ahead of time to kind of ensure uh, a good heat treat, I feel like I've done everything that I know how to do. You know, as far as breaking all the edges, taking it up to a high finish, you know, I've got the whole thing up to 400 grit. Normally, that's not even close. I don't do all that before before heat treat. Mm-hmm. You know, because after heat treat, I'm going right back to 36. But um, I feel like I've got it as good as I can get it. I'm working on the segment and scales for it. I've got them all laid out and put together. But I don't want to actually glue them together permanently until the heat treat goes successfully. You know what I mean? Because right now I got it laid out in a way to where I'm not going to have any pins in any joints. And if I got to start over for some crazy reason, knock on some wood, I don't want to, I don't want to have to design the handle around the scales. Right. You know what I mean? I would rather just not. So that's going good. And I got that giant brisket slicer walleye knife. It's, it's ready for heat treat. That's going to go in the same day as the fighter does, which actually will probably be tomorrow is when all that'll get done. Um, I got a couple more finger bangers finished up. They don't have any names on them, but you know, I do those in batches. So if you want a finger banger, I got some bangers and they're ready. Let me know. Sweet. Uh, got to clean the shop. It's getting filthy. I got a cabinet off of a job site thinking I was going to put, you know, a big cabinet in there. It's like five cabinet doors wide, but it's 30 inches tall. The width is fine, but the the height is 30 inches. So even if I put it up at like ceiling level, it's down to like nipple height. You know what I mean? It just takes up way too much room. Mm-hmm. It didn't look that big on the job site until I got it into the shop. So now I'm wrestling with that big son bitch. It's just all the way in the way. Don't really have anywhere else to put it, but I don't want to throw it away. You know what I mean? So I'm just kind of pushing it back and forth. Can you cut it down? Uh, I thought about that, but by the time I did that and put all that work into it, it would really be a waste of time, and it wouldn't have the space that it does now, so it wouldn't be as useful mm-hmm. as it would be as if I had you know space for the whole thing. But it is what it is. We actually might put it in the laundry room. It's kind of what I've been thinking. There you go. But we got, like, just one shelf up above the washer and dryer. You know, it's got, like, the detergent and the little sheets and all the little balls and, you know, just all the laundry accessories. Use it as, like, a linen clo- a linen cabinet. Yeah. Yeah, we could, because, uh, like I said, we got shelves out there now. We could put, like, our extra bed sheets and stuff like that in there. And, but I'm going to have to have some help to hang that bitch because she's grown. Sweet. Yep. Yep. That's a bunch of fun. Yeah. <laughs> Normally, I don't mind hanging cabinets, especially like on, on a job, because most of the time on our kinds of jobs, when it comes time to hang cabinets, the whole house is gutted. There's nothing to work around. Like, mm-hmm. it's, just, it's so easy. But doing it at home, over a washer and dryer, and I don't know, I just don't feel like it. Yeah. I don't like working on like my car and shit or 
chainsaws when I get home. Yeah. Sometimes I have to. Like I'm putting, yeah. I'm working on that Rupster. How's that coming? Fun. Did you find pedals for it? Um I'm getting there. So I got I got the steering all apart and I sandblasted the steering rack, which is basically just a square rod with teeth in it, and then a gear moves it back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, I got all the tie rod linkage off, the steering linkage. I could hear something like tinking around inside the rear end, and so I got a little nervous. So it, who knows how long this thing's been sitting. So I had to cut the bearing in the lock ring off the axle, get the hub off, get the side of the transmission off. And it turns out there's a roll pin that holds the gear in place in there. And somebody had shoved a nail through the roll, like the roll pin had broke and they shoved a nail in there and was like, that's good. (laughs) That'll do. And then it sheared off the long part of the nail. Oh, damn. So that's what I could hear in there tinking around. Yeah. Well, luckily it didn't get tangled up in nothing else. Yeah, exactly. And so I got that out, got the nail out, put the correct roll pin in. Got it all back together and sealed up. And I got tubes on the way for the wheels, and then I can put the rolling chassis back together. Well, And then I got to do a shitload of fiberglass work. Well, let me ask you this. As as a man such as yourself, all studly and welder owning and whatnot, what, what is special about the Rupster pedals that's keeping you from just building a couple of pedals? Are you trying to just keep it like, you know, Rupster parts? Uh, it's where they pass through the body and how they pull. So, like, you can you can rig up pedals to push or pull. Like, if you're doing hydraulic brakes, the master cylinders have a piston that you push in to do the hydraulic pressure. Right. Or, like, most throttles is a pull action. Mm-hmm. Um, the Rupster, the pedals were basically just, like, a flat piece of steel with, like, they were, like, an L shape. They were very basic. Um, I've found similar ones. I think I can make work, but the holes in the body for the pedals to pass through are only like silver dollar sized. And there's two of them. Well, how do they connect? Is it like rods? I have no idea. Or is it cable? All that, all that stuff is missing. Oh, damn. Okay. So I have no idea. So this is not going to be like a full Rupster back to original restoration. This is going to be, it looks like a Rupster and it functions, but you can tell that like, Cause I want to put an electric start on my motor. Yeah. So I'll, you know, there'll be holes added in the body for the switches and whatever. Um, steering wheel's not going to be original. I thought about doing like, like a thumb throttle on the right hand, like doing a butterfly type steering wheel and having a thumb throttle on the right side and like a normal bicycle brake on the left side. So your controls were not done by pedal. They were on the steering wheel. Like a four-wheeler throttle or jet ski. Yeah, kind of. Okay. Still playing around with that. You should get you one of the chain steering wheels. I've got chain. I could weld up a chain steering wheel. Yeah, like on Cheech and Chong? Yeah. I was thinking (laughs) about that until I, like, crash into something and I eat it. You know, you get a steel chain to the chest. It hurts a lot more than one of them padded go-kart steering wheels yeah is there a roll bar on it no i do not plan on crashing it well obviously everybody knows but i mean shit happens you know that's why it needs so much fiberglass work because you can tell they ran into it with shit 
but it's it's just a rolling chassis so there'll be some fabrication involved to rig up the motor that i've got um whatever i can do for the pedals because i'm gonna do hydraulic brakes um mechanical brakes suck in my opinion yeah well that sounds like fun yep so that'll be my own like when it gets to the point where i'm doing the stuff that's missing that'll be coakley made coakley made coakley doakley yeah well cool you remember that john deere that i told you i was gonna work on yeah i haven't touched it i haven't done anything whatsoever so now I kind of got it in my head. I'm kind of thinking about just taking the deck off altogether and see how fast I can make it. You know, they got like those racing lawnmowers out there. You know what I mean? Yeah. If I could just make it just fast enough to like do a donut in the grass, that'd be so fun. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it's already got like 20 horsepower. What do you got to do to make them bitches fast? Um, you gotta change out the pulleys and I'm not sure. I think it's a bigger pulley on the motor makes the rear end spin faster. I could be wrong on that. I've never done it. Yeah. I'm trying to think about my drill press cause it's got where you got to move the belt on the pulleys. So I can't remember which ones, which though. Hold on. Yeah. I'm in my shop. I'll go check mine. <laughs> I want to say... The motor side has to be on the big pulley, just like Ryan was saying. Uh, I'm not sure, though, but that'd be pretty cool just to have, like, a badass 40-mile-an-hour lawnmower for no reason whatsoever except for America. I think that'd be pretty cool. And then I could take my lawnmower up to Maine and race Ryan in his yupster. What do we got? What do we got? So the bigger pulley, you want a bigger pulley on the drive and a smaller pulley on the rear end. Gotcha. Okay. That seems like an easy enough little conversion. Yeah. I mean, this belt guides in the way under there. Is that one a manual um, engagement for the deck or an electric PTO? It's manual. That's good. Yeah. Just take it out and move it. Yeah. So, yeah, that'd be easy. And then, obviously, there's the governor on the side of the motor because I have just reached down before and pushed, you know, past what the throttle pedal will let you push, and it'll kind of – it'll rear up. Yeah, I mean, I I pull the governors out of my go-kart motors, but you got to be careful because if you let the RPMs get too high, the flywheels will come apart. Yeah, and that's the thing is if you do that by hand like I've done – the RPMs will get high, but as soon as you let off, it'll backfire like a bitch. Yeah. The coils, a lot of them are limited. So, like, if you get it up over, like, let's say they're designed to run at 3,600 RPM. That's the standard for lawnmowers, right? If you get them up to, like, 5,000, sometimes the coils have limiters in them. So, they'll start, like, uh, 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 they'll stutter, and it's because the coil itself is shutting off spark to stop you from going over that RPM limit. Is it shutting it off or is it just not able to produce a spark fast enough because of the pickup? If it, if it stopped spark altogether, it would shut the motor off. So it slows from what I understand, it slows the spark down so that you can't 
Like it won't allow the engine to go over that RPM. Okay. So like just a rev limiter. Exactly. Yeah. So like when you run, you've run concrete cutting saws, that big one you sent me a picture of. That's why they make that chatter sound when you're running them wide open. Yeah. Because you don't want those going over like 7,000 RPM or the blades will come apart. That's a sketchy ass machine anyway. Yeah. Those are pieces of shit. Dude, it is so freaking powerful. It's unreal. And half of it's plastic. Yeah. The, the cages that hold the bearings together are plastic. Well, I didn't die, so I'm thankful for that. No. no. Anybody out there who cuts concrete for a living, stay away from Husqvarna K-series saws. Yeah, ours was brand spanking new, and uh, we rented it, obviously. But it was brand new. We used it for maybe two hours and had to take it back. Just quit running. I know every single nut and bolt of those chainsaws, demo saws, and they're pieces of shit. I guess you would have to because they break down so damn often. Somebody's got to fix them. Mm-hmm. Echo makes a good demo saw. See, the, the problem with the Husqvarna demolition saws is they're converted chainsaw designs. So there's some flaws that chainsaws carry over that don't work well with demolition saws, like air filtration shit like that. Yeah. The Echo demolition saws are built from the ground up to be a demolition saw. Gotcha. So, like, they solve those little issues, like the air filtration is awesome. A big issue with working on demo saws is that they get concrete in where the nuts and bolts that hold the whole thing together are, and then that concrete solidifies. Yeah, I could see that happening, especially when you're you're running a water pump with it, mm -hmm. because all that dust, there's still some dust, no matter if you got water going or not. I mean, when you're cutting through an eight-inch slab, there ain't enough and water. That, and when that stuff gets inside of a Allen head bolt and then hardens, it's a problem for the guy who's <laughs> got to try and get that bolt out. Yeah, I bet. The worst was uh, concrete screeds. So I've had to work on a bunch of screeds and concrete equipment, and it's ten times worse. you got to, like, chisel away concrete to find where the bolt is. Okay, so yeah. for... Some of our listeners who might not know what a screed is, why don't you tell them? A screed is like, it's a big, long, they use it to smooth out concrete pads. So it's basically like a big, long spatula with a gas motor on it. And it shakes and it smooths out the concrete. You drag it across. Yeah. We also had to work on them big vibrating dildo things. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> the ones that they get the bubbles out of the concrete walls with. No, I'm unfamiliar. But uh, You've never seen one of those? No, Dude, I can't say I have. It looks like a dildo. Okay. You know? Okay. And it's like probably on a flexi shaft that's like six feet long, <laughs> hooked to like a weed whacker engine. Okay. And that inside that shaft is a rotating shaft that spins like a lobe down in the bottom to make it vibrate. Okay. So it's like a rabbit. Yeah. They dunk it in (laughs) wet concrete to get the bubbles out. Okay. When, when you fire (laughs) them up and they're just on a concrete floor, they freaking like they, the end of it, the dildo part will bounce like six feet in the air. Boing, boing, boing. Cause they have so much force because they're made to get bubbles out of wet concrete and, I've had to work on those before. Those are a pain in the ass. So if you left the word concrete out of that whole sentence, that'd have been a whole different story. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Lord have mercy. Okay. Well, moving on from there. 
any other small engine stuff you want to know about? Not yet. Once I get into this John Deere, there's going to be plenty, I'm sure of it. Yeah. That's my bread and butter. So if any of the listeners out there have broken lawnmowers and shit and need advice on it, feel free to shoot me a message. Yeah, all of my other equipment's working just fine right now. I helped you fix your weed whacker. Yeah. Yeah, I had to rig up a tool because of that stupid illegal thing. The EPA laws, yeah. Yeah, but it worked. Still running like a champ. I don't know what yeah. caused it to go haywire that day, but for two years, maybe closer to three, it's never had a problem. Went crazy that day. Yeah, they, I adjusted that thing, and it's, I ain't touched it since. Those two-stroke diaphragm carburetors, I mean, they have tiny little passages in them you can't get to. So if, like, one little hole in there clogs, it's going to make it run lean, and then you just richen it up a little bit, compensate for it. Yeah. Um, but they all go bad. It, it's, it's the nature of the beast, especially if you're not running, like, really good fuel in them. Well, I only use ethanol-free in any of my power equipment. Ethanol-free, it stops all the issues that ethanol causes, uh, but it is not it doesn't stop the issues that gas itself inherently has so like gas does go bad right you know you can't let it sit around um it should be clear if your gas is yellowish then it's starting to separate and break down um so like ethanol free and you you eliminate those issues that ethanol causes but if it's still old it's still old yeah um but ethanol is weird shit because it'll it'll actually draw moisture right out of the air. So I hear it all the time. People are like, oh, oh, well, I keep it inside. How could there have been water in the carburetor? Because you're running ethanol gas, and ethanol gas will draw moisture right out of the air, and it'll accumulate. And around here, if it accumulates enough water in the bowl of your carburetor when the winter comes around and it freezes, I mean, I've taken brass floats out that were flat because they just, the ice expanded and crushed the float damn yeah we've seen them like break carbs right apart before i I bought a little johnson i think it was a seven horse something like that just a little small outboard boat motor one time and had the fuel tank built in the top of it Mm -hmm. and first thing i did obviously is dump the old fuel out and all that ethanol that was in there had jellified Mm -hmm. and it was like like boogers yeah dude it was nasty it was like clumpy it looked like cellulite or something, some shit you make some soap with, and it I stunk. It like, have you ever like had a bowl of Cheerios and put a shitload of granulated sugar on top, and then that granulated sugar gets like settled in the bottom of the bowl? Oh yeah, do you know what I'm talking oh, about? Yeah. That's kind of what it's like because it's. I mean, I'm I'm no chemist, but I'm pretty sure ethanol is made from corn sugar, and they just you know. Still it or whatever whatever they do to make ethanol. But when it breaks down, not only will it draw the moisture out of the air, but it corrodes aluminum. Carburetors are made out of aluminum and brass. And it will create what I call boogers. And that's what <laughs> you found. Yeah. Because it, it'll do it in the fuel tank and in the carbs. So, like, you'll clean the carb and then you'll run it for, like, 15, 20 minutes and all that shit will have worked its way into the fuel line. And 
you got to clean the carb again. Yeah, and that's another big reason that I'm dumping the fuel that's in that new John Deere I got before I try to, you know, just put gas in it and run it. Because if there is some gunk down at the bottom of it, I don't want to suck it up in there once I put new gas on top of it and stir it up. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Like, I'm having that issue with my lawnmower, and I just hop off every 15 minutes and blow the line out and then hop back on and go for a little while. The cap on mine is broken, so it sat for a really long time before I got it, like 10 years. Oh, wow. And, and the squirrels got to it. So there's like all these little chunks of acorns in the gas tank. And I've tried to get them out, but I'm just going to keep running it and changing the filter and running it and changing the filter till it <laughs> stops dying on me. Yeah, that's one way to do it. Yeah. Well, it's about time to wrap this thing up. But before we do, we got to make sure we bring up our friends over at Phoenix Abrasives. Your one-stop shop for all your abrasive needs. And you can find them online at phoenixabrasives.com. Use the promo code HUSTLE10. Now, public service announcement. I got a message last week from our friend Timber Tiger Forge. He tried to use the HUSTLE10 promo code, and it wouldn't let him. So, sorry, uh, Chris. If I forget to message you, you heard it here first. I'm supposed to message him and let him know, but I'll let the world know. The promo code did not work because he was ordering VSM belts that were already on sale. And it's just like going to the grocery store with a coupon. If it's already on sale, you can't use another one. So that's the reason. If the promo code doesn't work for some reason, you're probably already getting a better deal from Phoenix than the promo code because they do run a lot of specials and stuff like that. And that sale he was running on those belts was a better deal than the 10% off. Right. So it automatically applied that. Therefore, would not accept the promo code. Yeah. So that's the reason. Just wanted to clear that up in case anyone else had that same issue. Chris sent me the message, and I did get with Greg about it, but I just haven't had a chance to get back with Chris, partly because I forgot and partly because I just got a little lazy about it. But there you have it. Yeah. At least you're honest. Oh, yeah. I'm always honest. (laughs) (laughs) Might not be what you want to hear, but, damn it, it's going to be the truth. So uh, here's the honest truth, guys. Go buy a fucking raffle ticket, please. Shoot that thing up. I need to sell close to double what I've already sold. And if you can't buy one, at least share it for the guy. Yeah. Yeah, that'll help a ton. Um, Our friend Brian House, he shared it to his story. And that sold one ticket. One guy messaged me. So let's just say here he gets to kick you in the balls at Blade. Well, he sold one ticket. If he's got a chance in hell at that, he's going to have to do better than 10 bucks. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, that was his own idea. So we'll see how that goes. But, I mean, hell, you know, sell 100 tickets at 10 bucks a piece. Yeah, we might can uh, work something out for a blooper reel. Just wear a cup and not tell anybody. Yeah, there you go. But, uh, yeah, I really want to. I'm going either way. I'm going to be there. Can't wait. I'm super excited about it. But I really would like the knife that I'm going to build to be funded by the raffle as well. So, yeah. Pump it up. Pump that jam. Pump, pump it pump, up. Pump. <laughs> All right, guys. My name is Jason Hartwell, JK Blades, on Instagram, Facebook, and Tickety Tockety. And uh, OnlyFans. You can go see me naked playing with some knives over there. That's fucking gross. It's dude. expensive, though, dude. It's expensive. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Ryan Chadbourne Knifeworks. Find me on Instagram and the Facebook. 
though I post a lot more on Instagram than I do Facebook. I do not have an OnlyFans. <laughs> That's, yeah. But I heard the chubby guys make good money on there. Oh. Like, there's a guy on there just eating cake and rubbing it on his belly and stuff. That's I can make a video of me working on uh, small engines in, my, in a banana hammock. Banana hammock with a ball sock. Yeah. This has gone too far. We'll talk to you next no. week, guys. Yeah, too much. Too much, too much. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. More bullshit next Tuesday. Keep, keep on, on hustling. hustling and keep on grinding. Keep on grinding. Yeah. I don't know if that was a good one. I, like I think it. it was. I think we did real good on that one. I had fun. The new studio sounds quieter. It is. It's way better. Bye, guys. Bye.